Hey, Keith, did you hear that fan theory that's been floating around about Harry Potter actually being a horcrux? Yeah, apparently there's a lot of people who, you know, because uh, when you carry around a horcrux like uh, like Ron did, uh, it makes you really uh, angry and irritable. And uh, some people are theorizing that uh, since Harry was a horcrux, uh, maybe that's why the Dursleys were so mean to him. It's because they were all, they were around a horcrux for like 10 years. Oh, well, that would explain all the anger I've seen on Facebook. Uh, their horcrux is, uh, must be those Trump 2020 signs. Ah, here we go. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Servato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. Expecto Patrona! This is Geek Counter Geek episode number 104. Follow the show at Geek Counter Geek on Twitter. Search for Geek Counter Geek on Facebook. And you can actually also send us an angry email at uh, geekcountergeek at gmail.com. You can follow me personally at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. And if you're an angry Trump fan, be sure to say hi to at Elliot Serrano if you can sum it up in less than 280 characters. And um, yeah, I, I, you're you're already up to the 280. I know for a while there, Twitter was just parsing it out. Not everyone got the 280 Harris, but now everyone's got it. And, and, and I will say this: this is a thing that I find is hilarious right now about Twitter. For how long people complained that what was it, 120, 100, no, 180 characters wasn't enough. 140, I think. Yeah. 140 characters was not enough. So Twitter doubles it for you. And everyone's like, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> Why did you do that? Why did you give us what we wanted? Well, I, I have no problem with, uh, you know, the number of characters. Um, I think, you know, like the, the first day, like within a few minutes of, uh, of it actually going wide that everybody had uh, 280 characters to work with, I posted like the, the beginning of uh, War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Just to just to show, hey, look, I have 280 characters. I can I can put something really long in here. Uh, well, and you, just because you have 280 characters doesn't mean you have to use them all. I mean, yeah, I, I think like, oh. other than that, I literally have not used uh, any more than I normally would have. So it hasn't changed mm-hmm. anything for me. Well, what it's helped me is when I start, uh, of course, retweeting the links to the podcast. Or, or links to certain articles, I don't have to, like, my my, um, my intros to the retweet isn't truncated. So, I again, I just, I'm amused that everyone complained for the longest time. Not enough characters, not enough characters. Now you got plenty of characters. People are still complaining. Social, social media cracks me up. It just does. So, speaking of uh, social media, you can follow the show at Geek Counter Geek on Twitter. And uh, just uh, look up uh, Geek Counter Geek on Facebook as well. And, uh, you know, uh, also uh, definitely uh, take some time and uh, no matter what your podcatcher of choice is, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or anything like that, uh, definitely take a second and uh, rate and review the podcast because that's how other people find the podcast. And we like other people finding the podcast. 
No, that would be great. I mean, if anything, just to let us know, uh, like what, uh, what you thought about our conversations, you know, we really like to get a, uh, get a dialogue going. I like talking with folks on Twitter and on social media. Um, but you know, again, we're always open to hearing uh, feedback. Um, me, I'm, I love, um, just talking about geeky topics and, um, and you know, again, I can talk to myself. I do it all the time. I'd rather be talking to someone else. It is more fun to talk to somebody else. So, uh, so Elliot, I have a Horcrux question for you. A- and I can't remember if we've actually discussed this or not. It, it seems like I, I like something I would have brought up before, but um, I, I have a question. So, uh, in the Harry Potter universe, um, uh, Lord Voldemort, he uh, splits his soul into seven different Horcruxes. And uh, at the end, spoiler alert, uh, Harry Potter and friends have to destroy seven of them in order to be able to kill Voldemort, right? Right. Which so, is a very difficult thing. It's difficult to create the Horcruxes. It's equally difficult to destroy them. So, um, what, once he, so, so that's actually why he doesn't die when, uh, when, when he kills uh you know, Harry Perry, Harry Potter's uh, mom and dad is because he has these horcruxes. So even though he's been killed, he isn't really killed. So my question is, once he comes back, why wouldn't he just make a whole bunch of other horcruxes? Especially when, like, they start destroying some of them. Wouldn't wouldn't he just, you know, make more horcruxes? I mean, all he has to do is kill some people, and he doesn't seem to have any problem doing that. That's a good question. My guess would be well, it's kind of like this. So the Horcruxes are actually containing bits of his soul, right? right? So you've already divided your soul into seven bits. So Voldemort himself is essentially a soulless being. His his essence or who he is is already contained in all the Horcruxes. So the only way you can, I guess, make more Horcruxes would be to recapture a bit of your soul from the horcrux which i guess you can't do because if you could do that then why didn't you know voldemort go around and collect the horcruxes and recapture his soul so you know it was kind of like he was betting everything on seven horcruxes you're not going to get all of them one of them is going to survive you know (laughs) um Uh, well he bet wrong he bet wrong although i mean it took you know how many years and constantly failing to kill Harry Potter uh, in pretty much some of the most contrived uh, uh, ways that a villain could try to kill, you know, uh, a, a hero. Yeah, he the was worse one... than a Bond villain. Right. Or, or Dr. Evil trying to kill, you know, Austin Powers. <laughs> See, if I'm if I'm Voldemort, I hire, you know, I mean, Harry Potter's walking the streets of Privet Drive. I just hire some hoodlums, you know, to drive up to his house and bang, bang, you know, pop a cap in his ass and bam, we're done. It's over. But Voldemort didn't want to deal, deal with muggle, muggle thugs. So, you know, that, 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 that was out the window. Beyond that, you know, how, when you're able to infiltrate Hogwarts, when Hogwarts had some of the most incompetent teachers, you know, they've got bad stuff going on under their noses and they don't even want to believe the kid that keeps telling them it's happening you know well, nobody ever wants to believe the kid 
Right. They don't want to believe the kid. They don't want to believe that the Chamber of Secrets is there. They don't want to. They don't, you want to think about the room of requirement that everybody except the teachers apparently seems to know about. You know that people are getting in through, into Hogwarts and infiltrating. They don't want to believe that Death Eaters are back. It's like it's 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 like right now. Uh, it's like it's like we're living right now. The alt right are Death Eaters, and no one wants to believe they're a threat. And 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 um and yeah, uh, where is uh, who is Harry Potter right now? I'd like to think who is the real life Harry Potter at this moment. I want to say maybe Lauren Laduca from Teen Vogue. You know, maybe she's it. You know, then again, Teen Vogue's been shut down. So I, they, I was about be- to say, yeah, that she's uh, got a little well, bit of a she, problem on that front. She's got a, yeah, she's got a bit of a problem, but hey, they shut down. Too, but she's out there now. That's like when Harry left uh, Hogwarts there, in um in the in the in the last the uh, two books. So she's out, and maybe she's on a quest right now, trying to find the final Horcrux that kills Trump. I don't know. I, you oh, know, I think no. I, I think uh, in almost uh, Harry Potter like fashion, it seems like uh, Harry uh, like uh, Trump is going to be the Horcrux that finally kills Trump. Uh, possibly, yeah, or or Steve Bannon. Steve, really, when you think about it, Steve Bannon has more of a Voldemort-ish, you know. Or he could have been um, what's uh, what's his face, the 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 rat guy. I forgot the rat guy's name. Oh, uh, Wormtail. Wormtail. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, the, the, this whole thing uh, with uh, with Horcruxes is, is kind of giving me a headache right now because um, uh, they're not real. <laughs> that that is a very good point. Well, you know, most of the things we kick around out here, you could you could pretty much end the debate very quickly by just saying, you know, you know what, it's not real. What are we worried about? Why are we talking about it? I posted on my Facebook page the other day um, when they talk about. I mean, I really think it's cool that they do things like the science of Star Wars, right? You know, um, that they they try to explain this the quote unquote science of Star Wars. But to me, I'm like that. That's kind of like saying the science of Lord of the Rings, or the science of Harry Potter. You know, it's 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 magic in Star Wars. It's magic. That's how you explain things. How does a Millennium Falcon fly? Magic, because it's not aerodynamic. The thing would burn up in reentry. Look at all the, the all the the friction that thing would generate alone. Okay, deflector shields. Fine. Well, yeah, except it keeps losing deflector shields. Yeah, you know, so it's all magic. If you want internal consistency, that's one thing. But if you want to explain things scientifically, you 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 really can't. So well, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about it because you know, like some people will try to like shoehorn some some science into you know Star Wars and and uh, Harry Potter, and yet Star Trek they always get criticized for having too much techno babble and uh, you know actually actually doing a little science. Or any trial, any like anything that's not um, uh, grounded in hard science or real science, like science that you can that you can project at, uh, occurring at some point. I mean, Star Trek has gotten better recently, you know, or lately, or the past, you know, couple movies, and um, and um, in the in this in Star Trek Discovery, they're using real scientific principles for it. Speaking um, of which, I I. I thought of a pro- a big problem with uh with Star Trek that uh, Discovery has created. Really? Yeah, a huge continuity problem. So so we figured out that uh you know 
let's be honest, since uh, since this is taking place ten years before the next, the original series, and um, they didn't have the spore drive in any of the subsequent iterations of Star Trek, uh, at some point, some problem is going to be uncovered with a spore drive that will render it, you know, something that that they can't use on a on a wide scale, right? I mean, that that's just right. something you'd assume. Um, but they have been using it, and there haven't been any hugely catastrophic problems yet. Now, the, the engineer guy, he's, he's acting a little weird occasionally, but that's after, you know, it looks like it might be dozens, if not even a hundred or more jumps, right? So, so you can use it on a small scale, and it won't be that big of a deal. Um, if you've got this spore drive technology that lets you jump to anywhere in the galaxy... And you've got this cool map that you got from the giant tardigrade that shows you pretty much anywhere in the galaxy that the Spore Network can actually get to. Why didn't somebody just build a like a one-off Spore Drive ship that could go rescue the Voyager crew? Well, was it also is it through time and space too? Besides um, space, because I. I know, well, here's the thing. We do know that the engineer, spoilers, folks, um, the more he's been hooked up um, to the spore drive, not only has he been able to calculate the, the, the discovery going throughout, um, you know, spatial, you know, through space, but his consciousness is able to go back in time, or you know, he was he he knows time loops. The episode that they're caught in a time loop, he recognized it. Plus, yeah. they've all they've already intimated, they've already hinted that he can see into the future. So chances are he can see up and down the timeline as well. Well, uh, they have they they've said that there's a mirror universe episode. So I don't think he's seeing into the future. I think that uh, and this has actually been on the official Star Trek uh, podcast that uh, because he 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 called uh, Tilly captain, right? And so the theory is that in the mirror universe, she's the captain, and so he's well, not necessarily seeing to the future. He's seeing the mirror universe. Maybe although that means that Tilly became a captain as soon as she's a cadet. If the if the mirror universe is running at the same at the same um, 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 speed as the regular universe, or is the mirror universe accelerated? You know, so yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, there, there we go. That. Bring it. Bring in science in. But but still, you know, <laughs> like like you know, you know, just based on what we've seen on the show, that you can do a few jumps without you know anything like catastrophically bad happening. So. If you have that technology like in your back pocket, as the Federation obviously does, and you've got this ship, the Voyager, that's stranded on the other side of the galaxy, um, build a spore drive, test it once or twice, and then go rescue them. And, they, and you're only going to use it like, you know, two or three times. You know, so, so it seems like you could get away with that. Well, even then, I mean, think about it. If every star fleet ship has a computer that contains the collective uh, data of the entire federation then the voyager would have known how to build a spore drive they oh, would have known true. that they had the technology and there's even um a, a, even an, another time and this happened in star trek the next generation remember the episode when barkley became like incredibly intelligent 
and um, his uh, and he taught the 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 enterprises computer how to create a diff- a new type of warp drive that took them like far beyond the reaches of, of the known galaxy of the universe. I do and, remember that one. I hated that remember one. That? I know, but you're there going, hold on. Barkley just taught this Enterprise computer how to do it. Why doesn't the Enterprise remember that? And why doesn't it share with the rest of Starfleet where they can, you know, pretty much troubleshoot why it didn't work and then build an even greater warp drive? See, that bothers me more than the spore drive, you know, the more I think about it. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, because Barclay was even involved with rescuing Voyager at the end. Yeah. And it, remember, we have the episode at the, near the end of, of, of the, the, the series run of Next Generation when the Enterprise computer itself, the, 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 all the knowledge that it had collected became sentient and it, and it, and it like disassociated itself from the actual Enterprise and, and, and went out into the universe. It was pure information, all this information collector, and it became self-aware and it took off into the universe. So you're sitting there going, hold on a second. All these opportunities, we know that they're accumulating knowledge. We know that they're accumulating information to the point where the, the, the AI and the enterprise become self-aware. Why didn't they build that warp drive to save discovery. I mean, oh, Voyager. So yeah, you know, I, that, those are two instances right there. I mean, yeah, if I were point. if I were Janeway and company, uh, I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be pissed too. But then again, you know, Janeway had a chance to bring the the Voyager back right away, and she blew it. I mean, when Q offered to do it, you know, all she had to do was have a kid with Q. It's really not that big a deal. You got to take one for the team in that regard. That, that's that's right. hey, if you want to be in a position of leadership, you got you got to make choices like that. Yeah, you know, just, just do it, and then then bring everybody back. So I don't want to hear any complaining about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you don't have to like it. Just just do it. Well, yeah. Well, let's not let's not get into issues of consent here. That's not what I mean. I mean, you know, although again, you know, it wasn't like you wanted to, you know have sex or anything it was boop never giving birth to a messiah child man who doesn't want to give birth to the messiah uh that now you're sounding like uh, uh what's his name from ghostbusters 2 <laughs> well yeah come on if it's good enough for sigourney weaver you know <laughs> it, that that's a that's a good uh a good way to get through life it's good enough for sigourney weaver it's good enough for me good enough for me so yeah. uh, well, uh, well, I feel like we've already covered a lot of ground here, Elliot. Well, you know the thing too. If if people are going to be like complaining about that, and then let's let's move on to another fandom right now, where uh, Doctor Who of all things, where um, the uh, the BBC released uh, today as we're recording this, uh, they released the image of of um, Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor in her new outfit. Um, and it, um, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's different. I, I'll admit it was, it's cool. A lot of folks like it. It, uh, reminded me of, of Mork for Mork from, uh, you know, Mork and Mindy, Robin Williams. She's wearing suspenders with a stripe, you know, a t-shirt with a stripe. She's got a overcoat, I guess, which has got kind of like a hood, She's wearing culottes and, and boots and socks and that, like. 
All I know um, is if my doctor came in wearing that, I'd, I'd probably be a little freaked out. But uh, <laughs> uh, for Doctor Who, it's fine. It's fine. To me, it just it, it felt like they were kind of trying too hard. You know, they're like the whole we we want to make we want to put some elements in here that harken back to previous incarnations of the Doctor. You know, a little bit of color. The suspenders. Matt Smith wore suspenders. Fine, you know, the coat, all this other stuff, the boots. Yeah, you know, we want to do that. Um, but again, the moment I saw it, the first thing I thought was uh, Robin Williams and Mork for Mork. It just it just popped into my head. It's just the, the combination of the suspenders with the T-shirt with the stripes. They're going, huh. And yeah, except what, she, what, she obviously went with uh, the solid color suspenders uh, instead of the rainbow suspenders. Rainbow suspenders. And, um, you know, but they were both aliens. You know, Bork was an alien. For all we know, he could have been also like a Time Lord and the egg was a TARDIS. You know, that, that could have been the case. Yeah, there could <laughs> be TARDIS. Tar, would it be TARDISes or TARDI? They could, be, they could come in different forms. Good question. Um, but, uh, but I jest. I jest. And I, I'm, for me right now, I mean, it's like, I, I'll be honest. When I saw the first image of Peter Capaldi in his new outfit, that also smacked of trying too hard. You know, um, Peter Capaldi's look evolved over time uh, during his run on Doctor Who. Matt Smith's look evolved over time on Doctor Who. Even David Tennant, um, he started off, you know, with the suit. Oh, had different types of suits. Looked, you know, it, it kind of like as they got more comfortable in that characters, their um, it seemed like their the look they had in their wardrobe really uh, kind of got more um it just seemed more natural seemed more to develop more organically so i'm really looking forward to seeing how that works with the jody whittaker's version of the doctor because right now this first is like ooh, okay looks okay um okay it, it works and i guess for first step we're going in a new direction with this character but you don't want to be go too new to, uh, to uh, uh, just totally alienate some folks although you still have some folks we're completely complaining about the look, and again, and and they're going, look, I Jodie Whittaker's look on uh, on uh, in this uh, version of Doctor Who still, still less less embarrassing, less ludicrous, even less colorful than Colin Baker's version, which is um, just. Yeah, I, I I can go with that. Uh, one thing that is never ludicrous or embarrassing is the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Well, you know, the Radio Misfit Podcast Network, which we are a part of, which has a whole host of podcasts that you can listen to, whether you want to uh, listen to Keith and I debate geeky topics, uh, different types of fandom and so on, or if you want to get even more specialized, we have uh, the uh, Caffeinated Comics Podcast with um, John Clark and Stephen Brown, where they get even geekier than us sometimes. Yeah, that, that is a that is a whole other level of geekery. Whole level, other level of geekery. Or you can, if you want to go on the opposite side of the spectrum, you can go over and listen to the Dishing Bitches, which uh, we just did our crossover episode with them last week. And you can catch us uh, talking to them, and they talk about things like uh, dating, romance, um, dealing with relationships, uh, uh, having a difficult boss at work, all the kinds of things that ladies like to talk about. 
And, of course, uh, a little uh, shameless self-promotion here. There's uh, my new podcast, The Fake News Fairy Tale, helping small minds understand big news stories since 2017. You know, I, 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 I'm kind of mad that you haven't had me do one of those episodes yet. Oh, we'll get there. Believe me, I am, I am, I am getting every single uh, voice I can possibly uh, get on, on this thing. So uh, we'll we'll definitely get around to that. So that that'll be like the the second big uh, crossover episode after the the dishing bitches. Uh, hey, hey, we'll even have to have the uh, the dishing bitches uh, record uh, record an episode too. That would be kind of fun. So lots of folks on the Radio Misfits podcast network and of course uh, no matter what you're listening to you want to uh, make sure that they sound uh, the best that they possibly can and one way to ensure that they will sound uh, great is uh, by listening on uh, headphones and other audio type accessories from tweaked audio and uh, you know they have uh, eight different colors, styles, mic'd, non-mic'd versions. They're designed to sound great for music and talk. Which, by the way, they have both on the Dishing Bitches. They feature uh, music as well. Uh, they have a noise-reducing design, a lifetime warranty. Get uh, pick them up at uh, TweakedAudio.com and use the discount code GCG at checkout for thirty-three percent off and free worldwide shipping anywhere in the world, even China. Uh, the code is not case sensitive. China. China. By the, way, by the way, China is not to be blamed for the trade uh, deficit between us and them. The fact that they outsell us and we import more from China than we give to them is, is not their fault. It's, it's our fault. That's we, on we, us. Doesn't it? It's all on us. Our bad. Uh, yeah, you, you can, uh, you can complain about the fact that that exists, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's sort of like, sort of like complaining when a, uh, you know, let, let's use the Jake Arrieta analogy, you know, cause Jake Arrieta is most likely sadly going to sign with another major league baseball team, but you can't really get mad because if another team puts, uh, you know, a, a big, uh, big contract in front of you, you're not going to say no to that. And, you know, if we're, if we decide that we, uh, we don't want to spend enough money to uh, actually support American goods. We're, we're willing to buy from other countries. Who are we to blame the other country for supplying them? You've just compared American goods to Jake Arrieta. Um, yeah. So you're saying that American goods are one thing during the summer and during the winter they shave their beards and look like a completely different person. That is exactly what I'm saying. Uh, all right. There we go. Uh, so I know that, uh, well, actually, we've both seen uh, Thor Ragnarok at this point, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I suspect, uh, based on <laughs> what I've heard so far, you enjoyed it as well. Oh, no, I enjoyed it quite a bit, I guess. The issue with Thor Ragnarok that um, we've heard, if there is an issue, is that it just – okay, if you, if you haven't been watching all the Thor movies – and this is what I'm kind of getting, that there were some folks maybe saw Thor 1, didn't really care for it, skipped Thor 2 – but now with all the hype surrounding Thor Ragnarok, essentially Thor 3, like, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going to give this one another shot. 
right? And right. that's because there movie... there were plenty of people who didn't like the uh, the second Thor movie. I wasn't even crazy about the second Thor movie, and I loved Thor. I thought Thor, the Thor, the Dark World was kind of like a waste of a good villain, and the ending was really anticlimactic. Or, or not all. I, I, if I remember correctly, and we talked about this on a way, way early version, uh, early episode of of Geek Counter Geek. I'm thinking this is like was probably in the the tens <laughs> or the twenties, <20s. laughs> way back when, when the ending of Thor Ragnarok was essentially Man of Steel. Both Man of Steel and Thor Ragnarok had the same endings. Uh, and also, um, when you get right down to it, it had a lot of the same problems as Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, all the, yeah, absolutely, exactly. So um, I was like, I wasn't really psyched for Thor 3. And then I found out what the, the direction they were going to go with it. And the trailer came out. Now, mind you, if you saw the trailer to Thor Ragnarok and you liked... The, the fact that they essentially made a Led Zeppelin video with it. <laughs> Which they've okay. been doing with a lot of the Marvel movies. I mean, that's nothing, Not Marvel. nothing new. Like with Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. A lot of music video type segments. Now, if you like that trailer, Thor Ragnarok is essentially that movie. It's, it's, the, ex, it's the same tone and everything. Exact same tone. And um, it holds it pretty much throughout and then there's some folks who were like, oh, see, this movie was too silly now. They, they, they guard, it's like Thor in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe or whatever, which is really ridiculous because, I'm sorry, the Marvel Universe, Guardians of the Galaxy exists in the Marvel Universe, so hence, it's Thor in the Marvel he was, Universe. He was always in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. <laughs> right, exactly. So and some folks were saying, like, remember uh, uh, right after you and I went to go uh, did our session with the Dishing Bitches. We stopped at Third Coast Comics and and talked to Terry about Thor Ragnarok. And he gave that same review. He said it was too silly. It was, it, 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 Thor went Guardians. I'm like, but wait a minute. The first movie didn't have, you know, people were like, eh. Second movie was, uh. Third movie, everyone's saying was hilarious. And as of now, the movie has already made a half billion dollars. Have a billion dollars. It's gone over huge in China. You know? <laughs> they love Thor Ragnarok in China. People are going nuts for that movie. It's probably the the most the highly rated uh, superhero movie right now, as far as on Rotten Tomatoes, next to Wonder Woman. So it's obvious that they, they, they hit on something that worked, and more and more people are seeing this one, even though they skipped the first two. So, you know, um, they did something right. Or people seeing it again. The the one thing that I, uh, uh, the one observation that I had was it seemed like there was, like the, it was almost um, almost dipping into Spider-Man 3 territory and that there were like, you know, because there were really kind of like at least two two different villains that they were fighting. Uh, but But really, if you add Doctor Strange, it's almost three. Uh, even though he's not necessarily a villain, but you know he's 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 not necessarily a friend I, either. Uh, it just seemed like there was maybe a little bit too much, uh, too too many uh, obstacles for them to overcome in this one. But uh, um, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite to the extreme of uh, of Spider Man Three like that. That one, you know that that one I I would say I actively disliked. But uh, you know this one I th I felt like it 
did fine despite the fact that there was a little bit too much going on for me. Well, the thing with Spider-Man 3, if we're talking about the Sam Raimi films... Right, is correct. that Yeah, I just, should specify yeah, that these days. Right. I mean, that, 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 yes, you're right. There was a lot going on, but you, you, had, you had the Sandman, and you had Venom, and you had the Green Goblin. Right. And you had this very leaden weight of the theme of it, where it was just really very depressing. And by the time you got to the end... You know, of course, Spider-Man is literally Peter Parker is literally crying at the end of the movie. Um, mind you, I kind of like the theme of Spider-Man three as far as forgiveness. You know, that's what it was about. It was about forgiving and coming to terms with the things that happen. Um, but, yeah, there was very little really humor to it. Nothing that lightened it with Thor, the movie. It, it, it's always it's always having fun and yucking it up. And, yeah, it's true. Um, it did get silly at points, uh, but I, I, I will give this to Thor Ragnarok. It it really ups the stakes of the character. It's it. I kept waiting as things are happening. One thing after another, after another, after another is happening to Thor and Loki and 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 the cast. I kept waiting for the big reset button to get hit. You know, like okay, all this stuff happened, but up. Oh, Let's go back to the way things were before so we can set up, you know, the next Thor movie or whatever. And it never happens. In fact, a lot of stuff happens to Thor and his character has changed and his world has changed to the point where, you know, there. this is legitimately like a whole, whoa, they kind of changed things here. It's like that Thor is even different in the in the in the movie now than how people expect him to be in the comic books. Right. Although if you've been reading the Thor comics lately, it's not that different. You know, he's kind of the end of Thor Ragnarok. He's more close to how Thor is in the comic books now than how people remember him to be. And and they have said that they have said, by the way, that, uh, um, in infinity war, when I, which I, I believe is the next time we're going to see Thor. Um, you know, all this is going to still be the case. It's not like they're going to figure out some way to wrap it up and, you know, everything will be okay with Thor again. You know, it's actually, he's still going to have, uh, spoiler alert, he's still going to have one eye, uh, and he's <laughs> not going to have his hammer anymore. Um, no hammer. That, that's the part that hurt me the most, I'm going to tell you. That's the part that hurt me the most. And he's going to be I, homeless, too. Yeah, and homeless. And um, um, it's, it's funny because, um, um, about speaking of the comics, I, as I was watching Thor Ragnarok, there are all these bits... Um, that I remember from the Thor comic books that uh, a lot of folks give um, Zack Snyder all this credit for when he makes a comic book movie, like when he does the Man of Steel or he does Batman versus Superman. He gets all this imagery, this iconic imagery for the comics, and he brings it to life in the cinema. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, they're, they're, the exact same things were happening in Thor Ragnarok. I saw some Walt Simonson panels in there. There's a scene where the executioner, you know, the the um, um, the character played by uh, McCoy, Star Trek. Oh, Carl Urban. Yeah, Carl Urban. There's a scene in there pulled straight out of a Walt Simonson Thor comic book. And they're going, this is so cool. I mean, it, you know, the, the, the director of Thor Ragnarok was doing the exact same thing. He was pulling out all these cool scenes from the comics these cool panels and bringing them to life and the screen. 
And, you know, but I don't know if Thor, uh, you know, Thor fans are as like me, total Thor nerds reading the comics for as long as I have and going, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that issue when that happened. Um, you know, there are going to be a lot of folks, again, general audiences are going to see it. They're not going to get it. But that's fine. That's cool. I mean, you don't make five hundred million dollars like in in a week and a half by appealing just to comic book nerds. No, uh, it's certainly not what uh, James Cameron does to make uh, half a billion dollars. No, no. He he. What he does is he takes he takes concepts in science fiction that have been done by other really good science fiction writers, and then he strips them down to he dumbs them down to the bare essence where anybody can understand them, and then he passes them off as his own. Uh, that's pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, uh, by by the way, if there's uh, no other takeaway from uh, Thor Ragnarok, uh, between that and uh, Westworld, I think we need more Tessa Thompson in our, in our lives. Uh, I just need some more Kate Blanchett. I'm telling you, goth Kate Blanchett. Would have loved to have known her in high school. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cabotron.